Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 21st, 2015, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our eighth Crystal Quest to Arkansas is October 11 through 17, and we're gathering members of the Crystal Soul Group to participate. This group is identified by having at least one of these six star markings on your chart, either 25, 26, or 27 degrees of Capricorn, Cancer, Aquarius, Leo, Taurus, or Scorpio. If you feel the call of the crystals but aren't sure if you have the required star markings, just send an email to crystals at starseedhotline.com with your birth info and make sure you include the date, the time, the place, your current location, and I'll be happy to take a quick look at your charts to see if you're part of this soul family and send you more details if you are. We have several shows in our archives entitled Crystal Quest Stories if you'd like to hear about what it has meant to others in this soul group. Our wonderful guest this week is Tricia McCannon, whose long list of accomplishments includes the best-selling books, Dialogues with the Angels, Jesus, the Explosive Story of the 30 Lost Years and the Ancient Mystery Religions, and Return of the Divine Sophia, Healing the Earth Through the Lost Wisdom Teachings of Jesus, Isis, and Mary Magdalene. Trisha has also produced over 35 DVDs and 13 online classes based on spirituality and ancient mysteries and has been on over 175 TV and radio shows and is an international keynote speaker on topics such as Awakening the Divine Feminine, The Lost Years and Secret Teachings of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, Angels, ETs, Atlantis, and a whole lot more. As a renowned clairvoyant, she's read for over 6,000 people worldwide and is able to access soul records. She's also been trained in many healing modalities and is the founder of the Phoenix Fire Mystery School, which is based in Atlanta and now has an international outreach. She also leads pilgrimages to sacred sites around the world. There's a lot more information on her website, so do check it out. It is TrishaMcCannon.com, and that is T-R-I-C-I-A, McCannon, M-C-C-A-N-N-O-N.com. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. We'd like to thank Fiona this evening for hosting the Switchboard we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and special thanks go to Tammy for her dedication to the forum. You can download our show podcasts on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page. Just look for the cloud with an arrow uh, icon. If you'd like to support our show, just click follow on our show page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, 
And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. And if you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. Find out when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia. And I am, there we are. i sorry, I didn't have your mic open. Hang on. Hello, Anastasia. Hello, Ariel. Good evening, everyone. Can you hear me? Absolutely. Very good. Well, it's exciting to be with you tonight. I hope tonight's broadcast finds all of our starseed doing very well. We're right in the height of summer, and uh, I'm going to appreciate that as hot as it's been. And speaking of heat, about the sun, NOAA forecasters are estimating a 45% chance of polar geomagnetic storms on the 23rd. That's just two days away. They say a CME is expected to sideswipe Earth's magnetic field. Now, the CME was hurled in our direction by a filament of magnetism on the sun that erupted two days ago. High-latitude sky watchers should be alert for auroras when this coronal mass ejection arrives. And we have had a lot of rain and a lot of drought, and right now there's just a lot of water everywhere. A a highway has been indefinitely closed in Southern California after record rainfall caused a bridge to collapse. There was a 30 by 50 foot section of Interstate 10 that runs over a a dry riverbed in southeastern California, west of Arizona, that collapsed amid heavy rain from the remnants of tropical storm Dolores. And it caused indefinite closure of a route that's used by 27,000 vehicles a day. They say the eastbound section of this bridge uh, collapsed on Sunday afternoon during the second day of the record rainfall in Southern California. Well, we've gone from drought to water, and as I understand it, all of this excessive rain in that part of the country has not alleviated the drought as of yet, but I'm certain that they must welcome this water. Uh, And speaking of water, in India, there have been flash flooding that's killed a number of people and displaced over 5,000 people. Uh, This happened just a couple of days ago in India. They say that many people were marooned in the water waiting to be rescued. They say that there was water more than a meter deep in many places, making roads impassable, cutting off villages, and, of course, inducing power adages. They say that more than 2,000 people were stranded in railway stations and seeking relief in shelters. And in the Philippines, they have also had heavy uh, floods. Thousands of people were forced to run from their homes as floods inundated large parts of the northern Philippines uh, that just recently happened. It was due to heavy monsoon rains. It said it lashed the agricultural provinces for days, left roads impassable, thousands of people needing to be evacuated with some deaths. So also in Iran, we have this is the fourth country I'm telling you about. Uh, and there has been uh, floods that have left people without electricity and rescue workers trying to help people. Rain still pouring there. And in Tajikistan, the rapid melting of snow and glaciers due to higher temperatures uh, from the first to the mid part of July have triggered tremendous mud flows in Tajikistan. So all that's going on. We have all that water, and then we go to fire. Uncontained brush fire in Washington State has forced a highway closure. 
More than 50 homes are under what they call level three evacuation. Really don't know what that means, but the residents have had to leave their homes. The brush fire closed Interstate 90 in both directions, and the freeway has remained closed as of this Tuesday morning. And we always talk about volcanoes on this program. Well, this is interesting. A drone has served an unusual purpose. Uh, there was a scientist filmmaker and a researcher that were working offshore on a project, on a research project using a drone. And the video from this drone, the drone managed to capture footage. Uh, and in the video, it shows a rare underwater volcano erupting off the coast of Taiwan. They said that the video showed more than 30 volcanic vents opening at once underneath the ocean bubbling to the surface, very, very hot, and, of course, being cooled by the surrounding seawater. And there has been an awful lot of volcanic and earthquake activity, as usual, but on the uptick in the Pacific Ring of Fire, and quite a number of underwater uh, volcanic activity. And we've talked about Mount Rang before. Uh, that has also continuing to erupt in Indonesia. A little bit of new news on that front. They say that they're afraid now of airspace safety and the closure of airports has been induced on Java, which is one of Indonesia's most populous island, after fresh eruptions from the mountain on the east side of the island. So, And also in Indonesia, we have volcanic activity on Mount Guatemala. No, not Guatemala, excuse me, Guamalama. That's so hard to say, Guamalama. And uh, they have also had air, airport activity, or excuse me, reduction in airport activity there uh, due to that uh, volcano eruption, significant delays, and so on. So Indonesia is really experiencing a lot of vulca volcanism. It always has, but there is an awful lot going on right now. And in Wickenburg, Arizona, that's a nice, interesting little town. I've always liked that part of Arizona. But they have had torrential flash floods. It's destroyed buildings and even swept away cars. They say that up to 3,000 homes and businesses were left without power as more than 50 electric poles were knocked down. And this is according to the Arizona Public Service. There were severe thunderstorm warnings in that area as the uh, floods hit due to the heavy rainstorms, said that it even hit Phoenix, so that the flooding was especially bad near a place in Wickenburg, and they say that even the parts of the roads were swept away. People were actually stranded. They couldn't go in or out. And in Cape uh, South Africa, you know, it's winter on uh, that side of the world. They're not having summer. But they are having heavy snowfall, which is unusual for them. They say that in uh, South Africa, Cape South Africa, motorists are being warned to make uh, use of alternative routes because mountain passes have been closed indefinitely due to snowfalls. And in a very similar part of the world, in Australia. Wow, Australia's animals are becoming confused because they can't cope with the freezing weather. There's been an Antarctic blast. Notice on our side of the, of the world or on our side of the planet, in our hemisphere, we talk about Arctic blasts. But in the southern hemisphere, it's the Antarctic blasts that concern them, and that's what's happened to them. Uh, cold air from the Antarctic uh, blasted up over uh, Australia and left the uh, country covered in snow. They say that there are wombats, emus, Tasmanian devils, and kangaroos 
caught out in the snow and lost because they were surprised and unfamiliar with how to deal with the snow. There are photos of that on the Internet, and it's pretty amazing to see a kang- kangaroo standing looking dumbfounded in a, a snowdrift. So unusual. We think of those animals oh. as being in a warm climate. Yeah. Uh, they're coping with snow right now. Well, you know, 3D printers have been out for a while, and I've always been fascinated with them. And when they first came out, I was trying to understand how they worked. Well, I have to tell you, uh, it's pretty complicated, amazing stuff. And they are doing more and more things with 3D printers. Well, I'll bet you I'm going to tell about something that we would never think they're making with 3D printers. And it, it, Chinese surgeons have successfully replaced a three-year-old girl's skull with a 3D-printed titanium alloy substitute in a 17-hour-long operation. They made body parts, bone parts, replacement skull parts from a 3D printer. 3D is hard to say. Now, this child had suffered from hydrocephalus, and that's the swelling of the brain, and her head was four times the normal size. But they they printed these uh, skull parts made out of titanium with a 3D printer, they performed the uh, hospital uh, using 3D data and uh, computer tomography, and they actually replaced the entire top portion of this child's skull. Oh, my. Isn't that amazing? What an oh, age wow. we live in, folks. This is Star Trek time. I'm telling yeah. you. It's just amazing. I used to watch Star Trek and watch them with their simulators and uh, the captain would go up and ask for a cup of coffee or a latte or whatever, and the computer would make it, and there it would appear. Well, you know, we're just getting to that age now where that just doesn't seem so far-fetched. It's just amazing. And out of the health front today, I want to uh, share a story with you out of Psych Central. There is a new study in which researchers have observed that people making moral decisions while taking prescription medications is shedding light on how the neurotransmitters of serotonin and dopamine are deeply connected to a variety of human behaviors. And their research has indicated that some psychiatric drugs seem to affect people's moral decisions. They say that when healthy people were giving a a serotonin drug, uh, actually a serotonin-boosting antidepressant, they became significantly harm-aversive, meaning they didn't want to hurt anybody. They were willing to pay twice as much to prevent harm to themselves or to others compared to people that were given placebo drugs. Now, this is an actual study that they undertook in a research setting. And in contrast, when healthy people were given a dopamine-boosting Parkinson's drug, they became far more selfish. They uh, uh, practically eliminated all of their altruistic behaviors. Now, isn't that interesting? They said that the findings of this study provide insight into the neural basis of clinical disorders characterized by a lack of concern for others, such as psychopathy. And I'm quoting one of the researchers who said... We have shown that commonly prescribed psychiatric drugs influence moral decisions in healthy people, raising important ethical questions about the use of such drugs. And it is important to stress, however, that these drugs may have different effects in psychiatric patients compared to healthy people, so that more research is needed to determine whether these drugs affect moral decisions in people who take them for medical reasons. Mm be a good idea to think about that. Interesting. 
Mm-hmm. And um, here's a little bit of health news about a tooth. None of us like to go to the dentist, I don't think, I don't imagine. Some of us tolerate it better than others and are very grown up about it, and others of us just dread it and don't want to go get our teeth fixed, drilled or otherwise messed with. <laughs> but they have discovered uh, a um, sign of oldest dentistry found at ever in a 14,000-year-old tooth. They found a tooth uh, that was, the, they say, the oldest archaeological example of an operative procedure on a patholog- pathological condition of any kind, and they found it within the skeleton of a young man that they said was about 25 years old, living in northern Italy 14,000 years ago. 14,000 years ago, somebody was doing dentistry on a person. Oh, wow. Now, prior to this, they found a beeswax dental filling that was discovered 6,500 years ago on a human tooth from Slovenia, and they discovered that dental drilling was done 9,000 years ago in a molars from a grave they found in Pakistan. And what they said they used for that was bones from animals. So they picked and drilled and dug with bones, and they filled their teeth with beeswax. So I've often wondered, even as a child growing up, I thought, what did the people in the olden days do when they had a toothache? Well, there you go. They fixed them the best they could anyway. And uh, there's a wonderful story out of the Internet. From Actually, it's from Australia. A bizarre instrument has been uh, constructed and made by hand that was uh, one of da Vinci's musical inventions that he designed 500 years ago. Now this instrument combines a piano and a cello, and it's finally been played to an audience of more than than 500 years after Leonardo da Vinci invented it. Now we all know that da Vinci was the Renaissance genius who painted the Mona Lisa and invented many other things. But this one invention that he designed had never been made until now. It was a Polish concert pianist who likes to make instruments and had a patience and a passion and probably a great deal of money uh, to not only interpret da Vinci's plans, but to create this instrument. It's full of steel strings and spinning wheels, and they say it is a musical and mechanical work of art. It has characteristics of three instruments that we're familiar with, the harpsichord, the organ, and the viola da gamba. The effect, they say, is a sound that da Vinci dreamt about, but he was never able to hear because it had never been made, and there are no historical records suggesting that he or anybody else ever built this instrument. The sketch in the notes in da Vinci's characteristic script is found in the Codex Atlanticus, which is that 12-volume collection of his manuscripts and designs for everything from weaponry to flight. Fascinating. The maker of this instrument said, I have no idea what Leonardo da Vinci might think of the instrument that I've made, but I hope he'd be pleased. The man spent 5,000 hours bringing da Vinci's creation to life. Wow. Amazing. What talent, yeah. what gift. I'd love to hear that. Mm-hmm. So that's it for tonight's news. I, we're going to have a wonderful program. I did look at our guest website, and my, such lovely stuff. And so it's going to be fascinating, uplifting. Looking forward to it, Ariel. 
as are we. And thank you so much for bringing us the Starseed News, Anastasia. My pleasure. So, um, I'm Lavendar. I'm going to, um, oh, looks like you're, I need to open up your mic again. Okay, and um, we're going to bring Tricia online here. Okay, so um, Lavendar and Tricia McCannon. I'm here. Okay. Yes, and I'm here too. And what amazing news that was. I was so impressed by all the amazing things she collected. You girls are just uh, rocking. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're just like these high years. consciousness, blazing across the sky, smart, intelligent, tuned-in women. What a pleasure to be on your show. Well, thank you. So, Trish, tell us a, a little bit about what you've been doing with your books and with this Jesus um, information that we were talking about previously before we came on the air. Give us a little background about why you decided to write these books. Well, do you want to give them any bio information on me, or would you like me to kind of share some of that? Just share some of that, yes. Well, I, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I travel and teach and speak all around the world. I'm a clairvoyant. I, I've been a clairvoyant since I was a child, and I grew up here in Atlanta across from a great forest, and I could see uh, the divas and the elementals uh, in the forest and um, and the angels. I began to work with angels when I was about eight because the elementals that oversee the uh, plant kingdom that are like the guardian angels to the plant kingdom, they saw that I could see them, and I think most humans can't. So they went and told the overlighting angel of that forest to come and speak with me. So when I was eight years old, he came and began to teach me about the vast hierarchy of worlds and how the light and the sound are stepped down from plane to plane until eventually you come to our world, the physical world. And he told me that nobody is ever alone, that all things are overseen, you know, mountains and territories and plants and the animal kingdom and the human kingdom. And all of this, you know, I was eight. This made perfect sense to me. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, um, so growing up in Atlanta, I... Um, Grew up in one of those classically dysfunctional American families with lots of challenges. And um, so everyone had different ways of coping in my family. And for me, I spent a lot of time talking with the divine. So I spent a lot of time in the forest, but at night I would take long walks under the stars. And, and I felt these angelic presence, this angelic presence begin to walk with me, who would always counsel patience and compassion and forgiveness and ask me questions that would lead me back to that place of forgiveness, no matter what the, the challenges were that were going on in my family. So um, I grew up kind of being tuned in from the beginning to all these realms. I saw UFOs. I saw them in broad daylight. I saw them at night. I um, saw them. I remember seeing one in daylight with my college roommate driving back from Florida to, from Atlanta to Florida State University in Tallahassee. And uh, I remember it was about four in the afternoon. And I just thought everybody saw these, you know, because I was having very multidimensional experiences as a child and a teenager where I would be, and on one night I'd be on board a spaceship, another night I'd be in the, you know, uh, temples of golden wisdom talking with masters, another night I'd be in the bowels of the outlaw astral plane. And I didn't really know how to control my gift. I didn't know where the steering wheel was, I didn't know where the brake and the gas were. 
So I wound up doing a lot of praying growing up that someone wiser than myself would show up. And when I was 19, a group of masters called the Viragi Masters appeared. And Viragi comes from the word Virag, the Sanskrit word, meaning detachment. And these are masters that have detached themselves from the affairs of the world. They're not trying to make a living or get married or have children. They are really focused on these inner spiritual realms and how to chart them and map them and how to travel them. And they had a road map and they had specific techniques to teach me how to begin to travel in these realms. And I was like, well, that's the path for me. You know, I didn't have to believe something and wait until I die to find out if it was true. I could actually directly experience it for myself. So when I was 19, I became initiated with them. And all during my 20s, when I was moved back to Atlanta, I became a commercial photographer. My, you know, I had a public life in advertising, marketing, photography, and art direction and illustration. But my private life was about um, the pursuit of the knowledge of truth and through direct experience with some very powerful masters and angels and spiritual beings. And when I was 27, I was approached by the priestesses of Isis. And I tell that story at the beginning of this latest book of mine about Sophia Um, The Return of the Divine Sophia, or the Goddess of Wisdom. And the subtitle for that, of course, is Healing the Earth Through the Lost Wisdom Teachings of Jesus, Isis, and Mary Magdalene. And I think as with many of the greatest things in my life, I, I feel like I've backed into everything. For example, with the book about Jesus, I um, I was writing another book altogether. All I was writing a book about the great spiritual mysteries and decoding the mysteries of the ages. And and I had a section there about Jesus, about a three chapters. And, of course, as time went on, it became bigger and bigger. And suddenly I had a 200-page section on Jesus inside of a much bigger book. And, of course, I knew the publisher wouldn't be happy, so... I thought, you know, Mama Mia, they're having babies. What should I do? Uh, And so I decided I'd just pull that section out. And uh, I had just decided to do that, and I was actually had this experience where I was laying on the floor of my office right after Christmas in that very quiet kind of cave time that we all go through, and this profound light began to pour down on me. And I moved my arm that was over my eyes, and Jesus was standing in the room. And without any preamble at all, He said, I want you to write a book about my lost years and secret teachings. There has been enough war and bloodshed in my name. And, of course, you know, when someone like that appears to you, it's like an enormous gasp, you know. It's like an arrow that goes to the heart and opens the heart up to this whole other Christed level. And when I could get over that profound reaction, I think my, my thought was, you know, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm so close to finishing this other book. Can I finish it first? You know, I'm running out of money, which is, of course, like the little monkey mind, you know, that we all have, the human mind. And he smiled and he waved his hand and he said, don't worry about it. It'll just take a moment and I'll open every door. And, of course, it was three years. It was a long moment for me, but probably nothing in the mind of the divine. And when I kind of emerged from that cave, I had literally created a book with uh, 1,200 footnotes, 100 pages of back matter, over 100 illustrations. It was a tour de force of the great spiritual mysteries in the Essenes and in Egypt and in the Celtic lands and in Persia and in India uh, and through the Druid lands in England. And I really had woven his history through these places that he traveled. 
And I have no doubt that these Ray masters were with me. I mean, for three three whole years they were in my house and when I had people come and visit and stay in, stay in my house they would have dreams of all these masters here so they were totally you know the great solar lords were very present in the overlighting of that book and about three months after the book on Jesus came out I actually had this experience I was in the bathtub you know and I have a fireplace in my bathtub which sounds so cool it's the coolest thing about my whole house and I had this bubble of light come down and she was like um gray and violet and opalescent white she was like a pearl and she was surrounded by 10,000 yellow um sunflower blossoms and they were all the incarnations of all the solar lords the christ energies the great kumaras who have incarnated throughout time to try to help not just this planet but many others and i mean the most i could have named would have been 30 or 40 of them there were 10,000 of them and the thing that they all sought was this pearl of great price and she called she said i'm sophia and her presence was like infinite wisdom. And she said, I'm going to make you a vessel, a vessel of my energy. And, of course, I'd just come out of working with the Solar Lords. I was looking around at the Solar Lords. I was like, oh, who's here? Who's here? And she was like, so the next night, the same thing happened. She came back and she said, did you hear me? I want to be sure you heard me. I'm going to make you a vessel of my wisdom. So when I began the next book, which now, of course, is The Return of the Divine Sophia, it was not named that. I actually went through five titles because it never occurred to me to name the book Return of the Divine Sophia until the very end after the whole, the last word had been written. And in that, in that merger, it's the shamanic story of how I began to awaken to the Divine Feminine and how I was initiated in the priestess the Fellowship of Isis and the Egyptian mysteries and the Celtic mysteries and the Native American twisted hair and the goddess mysteries all over the world. And along with that, of course, we have chapters where we address very grounded bits of hidden history within the planet that most people know nothing about, including how the Divine Mother was worshipped for the first 200,000 years where Homo sapiens were here. We've only been here about 200,000 years. It only began to change to the Divine Father and Mother probably about 4,000 B.C. And then it changed to the Divine Father and Mother and the Divine Daughter and Son. And then for a long time we honored, you know, the celestial aspects of the, the Mother and Father and then the incarnated aspects that have come through time in both the female and the male lines. And someplace along the way, which I talk about where it happened and how it happened in my book, around 2,500, between 3,000 um, years ago and 2,500 years ago, basically the patriarchy came and destroyed every other aspect. And the Divine Mother, the Divine Son, and the Divine Daughter went underground. And of course Christianity brought in the Divine Son, but we lost the Divine Mother and the Divine Daughter. And so ultimately that's part of the arc of where we go in this book as we look at the fact that we need to bring the masculine and feminine back into balance in the world in order to heal the planet. So that's a very long answer to your question, but maybe that gives us a good place to, to go from here. Okay. Can you hear me okay? I can indeed. Okay. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about 
the uh, you said you were in a cave for three years. It, it, was that a little, literally a cave, or you just call that a, when you went away? You know, I, I, fortunately, it was not a literal cave. Although I've spent some time in literal caves, I have, and they're powerful places for initiation because they're like kivas or sweat lodges. They're very close to the heartbeat of the earth, and that Schulman resonance is actually the resonance that we go into when we are in those spaces and it winds up putting us in line with um, the vibration that all healers, no matter where they have been tested around the world, no matter what modality, the real healers that really can heal people, their brainwaves go into resonance with that re- with the Schumann resonance, which is, I in the past, it's been about 7.6, but there's some real talk that it has spiked to as much as 13 or 13.5. So that's pretty, um, that means that the earth is accelerating and everybody on the earth is accelerating, which is one of the reasons, of course, why we're having people with extreme dizzy spells because as uh, all of those wonderful things that Anastasia was reporting, air, earth, fire, and water, tornadoes and hurricanes and volcanoes and floods, um, earthquakes, all of those things are, you know, stirring. You could say the dragons are stirring within the land. Yes, I agree. So tell us more about Sophia and some of the messages that, that she was bringing, especially about the male and female paths. Well, you know, what happened for me, I'll, I'll speak first, I think, about what how I came to discover any of this. Um, and when I was about 27 years old, you know, um, you and I may have known each other then um, because I know you were in Atlanta for a little while, but I was very much on the fast track with my photography career and, of course, I was doing my spiritual practices and so forth and I was probably around my third initiation with the Viragi and I had this very powerful dream that... Um, I had gone back to school for my master's degree, which is kind of an interesting metaphor to become a master, you know. And I woke up inside of a dormitory room where I had gone to sleep, and there was all this vertical extraterrestrial symbol language written on the walls. And uh, I tried to remember it because it was so extraordinary. It was like transmittive. And... Uh, but I fell back asleep. And when I woke up again, of course it was gone, I could only remember one symbol, and it was a circle with a dot at the center. So I went to the library to see if I could find uh, some reference to this symbol. And while I was there, the student assistant came and got me and said, hey, there's you know, a phone call for you at the front desk. And I thought, what? Nobody even knows I'm here. How could there be a phone call for me? So I go to the front desk, and I said, yes, this is Tricia McCannon. And the woman on the other line said, we've called to tell you that your dreams are real. And I was like, what? And she, I said, who is this? And she said, we're from the priestesses of Isis. And that's all we're permitted to tell you at this time. And then she hung up the phone. Oh, my goodness. Well, of course, I had no idea. I mean, what was this, some strange Egyptian cult or something? I mean, like many people, I've always loved Egypt and been drawn to Egypt and felt like there was all this huge amount of wisdom and history and profundity and off-world extraterrestrial culture there. But I, you know, I, I didn't really know how to enter that. And so I thought, why are the, you know, the priestesses of Isis contacting me? And then I woke up and it was a dream within a dream. 
And so there were two messages, the symbols and then the priestesses of Isis. So this is actually how the Sophia book starts. It's the first five pages of the book. Well, first three pages, actually. So then about two months later, I you know, was in between photography shoots and I went to have lunch by myself and there was a wait, so I went to this beautiful store called Illumina with the plush carpets and the beautiful cases and gorgeous jewelry and statues and I was standing looking at this Egyptian statue and the woman behind the counter said, oh, are you interested in Egyptian things? And I turned around and I was like, well, yeah, 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 I am. I, you know, I've been dreaming of the priestesses of Isis. And she said, well, tell me your dreams. And I said, well, you know, you're probably not going to understand my dreams. I'm not even sure I do. And she said, try me. I'm a hierophant in the priestesses of Isis. And a hierophant means a high initiate. So uh, she, this was to become my shaman teacher. And uh, her name is Shasta Zaring, and she's still alive. She lives here in Atlanta, hidden. She's a hidden elder, one of uh, a precious handful of really wisdom, wonderful wisdom women in this city. And um, so she invited me to visit her in her, you know, house. And her, I went, and uh, it was, we sitting there looking at the address and looking where her house was supposed to be, and suddenly it was like a glamour was taken down, and I could suddenly see her house where it had been invisible before. And so I walked down this path with shells and crystals and bones, and I got to this, you know, porch with like a dream catcher and a buffalo skeleton and, you know, um, deer hides. And I mean, I was like, oh, my God, you know, what's happening? Am I like a Hans Christian Anderson fairy tale or what? So I knocked on the door, and she took me in. And her house was very simple. It had four rooms in four directions totally equal. And the first room was her living room. There was nothing there except four altars and a fireplace. That was it. And then her next room, she had like 11 white cats. And she asked me if I like wanted dandelion tea, I remember. I was like, goodness gracious, what? You know, she literally just would pick it. Well, this was, you know, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. So she was way ahead of her time. So we spent the day at this vortex that was behind her house, many acres. And it was a place where women had come to do ceremony for 10,000 years, a holy place. And it was a place where two blind springs crossed underground, and it created this enormous vortex of energy. And so when you could hear the, the earth talking when you were out there. You could feel all the spirits gathered there. And, of course, she had altars and grottos to different aspects of the goddess and I spent the day with her, and the things she said to me just changed my my world. It just completely just shifted me. I remember, for example, she told me that all <clears throat> mammals are created genetically female. In other words, the existence of the male is a subset of the female. It's created because of the release of an additional androgen. So the whole Adam and Eve story were, hey, Adam got created first, and Eve got taken out of his rib, and she's just a subset, and she's made as a servant and a companion, so she better obey. That stuff is actually just made up. It's, in fact, the reverse of what's true, that all mammals, no matter what species, are created female first, and that the existence of the male is a release of an additional androgen. And personally, I'm thrilled because I love men. I think men are wonderful. And we would all be very sad and lonely if it wasn't for, you know, some cool men out there. But 
that's very different from what the Judeo-Christian religions, the Muslim religions, all those patriarchal religions have put forth as being truth as a justification for the suppression and the subjugation of women. Now, the fact that we're able to have this radio show tells us that finally, you know, women are being able to speak and they are being able to make a difference and work in the world and, and be independent and have a job and support themselves. Um, but it's really been our generation, maybe our mother's generation and our generation and the generations coming after us that are changing a paradigm for 2,500 years in, for example, in the Jewish culture and then the Christian culture, women could not own property. They could not have land. They could not have a job that paid them anything because they didn't want them independent. If they were raped by a man, they had to be killed, stoned, even though it was the man's fault. If, if they were a virgin, they were forced to marry the, the rapist. If they were engaged or married, they were considered then, you know, used by somebody else, so they had to be killed. So, I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> Who made up these rules? <laughs> so, you know, we're emerging from these rules. We're emerging from a suppression that was so extreme that it was about life and death because during the Dark Ages, I mean, when I looked at the statistics, when I finally, you know, as you do the arc of this book and you start discovering the hidden archaeology and anthropology and what happened in the Judeo-Christian religion and the Jewish religion from which Christianity sprang, then you find out what happened in the Christian religion, and then you take a look at Jesus' real teachings on this. I, in, in this particular book about the return of the Divine Sophia, I had about 200 pages of his hidden teachings from the Jesus book that I, I brought into this book that uh, were not, there was not enough room in the very first book. And they're teachings, open, open teachings that Jesus had about reincarnation, about the fact that we don't need an intermediary to connect with the divine, that each of us has the divine within us, and that we can connect with it by ourselves, which, of course, the rabbis and the priests didn't like that one bit because they thought, you know, they would be taken out of the picture and not have a job. And um, then there are teachings about where Jesus talks about the Abba, Amma, or the Father, Mother, God. This is how he refers to them. He talks about the Divine Mother as the essence of wisdom. He talks about the Divine uh, Father uh, as the essence of truth. Um, and he also talks about the Divine Father, uh, Daughter, and Son. And he says, even as I and Mary Magdalene have come into the world, we come again and again, age after age. He says, she is my mother, she is my mate, she is my daughter. I am her husband, I am her father, and I am her son. And so he really acknowledged who the two of them were and that they never give up on humanity. And I was to learn in the process of, of walking the journey of this book unfolding within me and on the pages and with these profound guides, of course, that were overseeing it from behind the scenes every day, I was to learn that the Gnostics collected some 250 sayings of Mary Magdalene's after the crucifixion as she went on to teach in France and England. And they're totally beautiful, totally supportive of Jesus and everything he had to say, and really every bit as profound as his teachings. I also found 
that the Gnostics believed that Mary Magdalene was the, the, was the incarnation on earth of the divine daughter, Sophia, and that they believe that she is reincarnated continually from her time until this time, awaiting the time when humanity is ready to honor the divine feminine. And Jesus even says, I cannot return until the divine feminine is reinstated in the world, is respected again in the hearts of men and women and civilizations. So, you know, each of these books are profound books, but they were profound transformational journeys for me as well. Because even though it's like in my heart I had the vision and I um, I knew sort of the core of the truth, there was so much I discovered along the way that uh, profoundly deepened and transformed me. And in fact, the Masters laid in activation codes. When people read the Jesus book, there are 144 activation initiation codes that like make people's brains go off. And the same thing with the Sophia book. So anyway, um, I'm now home this summer starting a new book, which, you know, I'll still do with Inner Traditions, my wonderful publisher, and it'll probably come out in fall of next year. But that gives you a little idea sort of of the, the journey I've been on and, um, you know, how we when we talk about how it fits to the star seed. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yes, but first let me ask you, did you see um – a great uh, shift in people right after the uh, December of 2012, December 20th. You know, we were all looking at the Mayan calendar, but it didn't really show up to us like what people were saying. What I what I noticed was that people's DNA, starseed DNA, just kind of woke up, and people are starting to search and find one another. And you know, when we when we put our website together uh, about five years ago you could type in star seeds and hardly anything would come up you type it in now and it's page after page after page so did you see a, a big awakening uh, in the um, travels and the people that you were in contact with uh, after 2012 um yes you know i was actually down speaking in chichen itza as uh, at, at um in the Mayan lands in Mexico. I was actually one of the keynotes for a big conference that this fellow from California put on. And um, I was there for the ceremonies. I mean, there were groups from everywhere. There were, there were the Mayans who had the most beautiful headdresses and walked through the whole grounds doing sage and doing ceremony and salutations to the sun. I mean, there were Christians. There were uh, uh, star seeds from everywhere. I mean, from Europe, from Germany, from Japan, from Australia, from South Africa, all over America and Canada and Mexico. I mean, it was South America. It was it was really astonishing. So it was like people called together for this magical, powerful, transformational moment. And there was a whole conversation about this light that either descended from the pyramid or shot up from the pyramid when we were down there. Um, there was actually a photograph of it. Did you ever hear anything about that? I remembered that. I remember. I'm, I saw the photograph. Yeah, that was. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you, sort of, in the traditional mystery teachings, you know, the mysteries 
uh, went back some 4,000 years before Jesus and some 400 years after him where they were public enough. In other words, if you, you knew that they were there, they were supported by the states, if you really wanted to go study, you could go through a series of initiations and learn in a very, you know, multidimensional way, not just n- mental knowledge, but experiential knowledge. So they're very powerful, and they kind of publicly closed about the time of the Theodosian decrees, about 400 A.D., uh, and, uh, and with the murder of Hypatia, the great high initiate of uh, Alexander, the city of Alexandria, Egypt. And so the mysteries had to go underground. And, of course, they became uh, diluted in many forms, but they survived just the Masons, and certainly the Rosicrucians had a lot of wonderful uh, information. The Theosophist, Madame Blavonsky, and those wonderful masters she worked with in the 1800s. So there are many lines that have come through, and some are... Some are pure and some are less pure, but the theosophist of the uh, early, you know, from Madame Blavonsky on, which was 1880s, um, there was a whole series of high initiates that incarnated uh, Annie Besant, um, uh, Rudolf Steiner, who started the Waldorf schools, uh, Manly P. Hall, I loved him, oh my gosh, he was just a gorgeous man, and I mean a Horace high initiate at like 20... 25, 29, where he was lecturing on all of this great spiritual wisdom. And those theosophists believed that the age of Aquarius, zero degrees of Aquarius, began in 1939 and that it ended in 2011, making 2012 the first year of 72 years of one degree in Aquarius. So uh, that's very interesting because they were following uh, an esoteric calendar. As we know, there are 12 astrological signs at 12 ages. They're each roughly 2,160 ages, give or take 150 years because of how fat or wide a constellation of the zodiacal constellations are. Like Pisces is kind of fat, where Aries is very skinny. So Aries came in like 21, uh, like um, about 21, 22, 50 B.C., and, you know, then it moved off. And then Pisces, we were probably 100 years into Pisces when Jesus came in. So now we're kind of at the end of Pisces, moving into Aquarius. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of awakening that's happened. You can just see in the last 72 years with communications, cell phones, computers, faxes, the Internet. This is all very, very Aquarian. And Aquarius, as you know, is air-ruled, but at a higher level is considered ether-ruled. And that's very interesting because suddenly we've got all these ETs coming in through all these stargates. You know, the stargates open and close like the universe breathes. So when they're closed, nobody can get over here. But they're now open. And so now there's lots of UFO activity. And, you know, the Galactic Council, as I'm sure you guys have talked about on your show, you know, realize that this is a very beautiful planet, a paradise planet. I mean, there are many planets out there, but not all that many that have optimal living conditions. And most planets have between four and seven synchronic lines. And those are the lines of life force energy that moves through the galaxy. And the more lines you have, the more flora and fauna you have, the more diversity of life. And on this planet, we have 18 lines. And this is why everybody's interested in this planet 
you know, the dark, the light, and everything in between. And nobody wants to see this planet be blown up or destroyed. And on one hand, you know, just like with Star Trek, I think they're really trying to honor the sovereignty of the people who live here and let us make our own decisions and learn from our mistakes and so forth. But as we have noticed, we don't always seem to be so, you know, the wheels of money and um, power and corporation are primarily focused on the short-sighted goal of, you know, making money for their stock um, holders. So they forget to realize that if we have an earthquake, ring of fire, pole shift, as we are sure to have, you know, things like Fukushima, which was a nuclear facility. We've got nuclear facilities all over this planet. All we need is for a few of those to go off, and then that's pretty much curtains for planet Earth until she gets rid of all the life and starts over in about 120,000 years. If, if that, if that, because, you know, the shelf life of nuclear materials is very long, and so none of the extraterrestrial races want to see this happen. But on the other hand, you know, they've been walking this very fine line for 50, 60 years about trying to make contact with people like many of our listeners or people like you or me and um, to try to deliver these messages so that the word gets out and people um, consider just that this is a paradise world and do we want to ruin it? Do we want to, you know, destroy it? You know, and how can we change the paradigms so that we don't destroy it? Yeah, I, I do agree, and 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 it seems as though since 2012 that we have more and more people with with their brains um, extended with uh, future thought. In other words, people are able to track further with their. It's almost like they had a, a brain infusion. <laughs> it's like they can see something and it takes them further uh, in their in their um, in their words in their pictures in their ideas it isn't all about technology i find that people are becoming more compassionate they're having um, thoughts about you know their existence on the planet and why they're here they, a lot of people just want to quit their day job just so they can uh, start focusing on their starseed work i have so many people that that say you know how can i quit my job so i can really go do what i came here to do and i'm hearing that all the time are you hearing that also i do you know i I, i'm a clairvoyant and i have many 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 people come to me for readings and then i also do healing work with people i don't do everything but i'm trained in about seven different modalities including hypnotherapy and soul retrieval and timeline and um, I, I do. I basically work on changing erroneous belief patterns that are lodged in the subconscious, primarily because of uh, things that may have happened in this lifetime or other lifetimes. And because I'm a clairvoyant that is able to travel the time track, I'm really able to usually find what happened and then uh, shift it in the subconscious, which changes things. But again and again, I have people who are coming to me who exactly they 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 woke up i mean they were a straight normal person 6 years ago or 7 years ago or 5 years ago or 10 years ago and they and some of them were even like fundamentalists and suddenly it was like the veils got pulled off their eyes and they suddenly started you know asking these deeper questions and having these profound heart opening experiences and it that's huge 
Uh, I think so, too. And, and, you know, back in the early 80s, remember when the crystal movement happened, you know, and all the crystal stores opened and the metaphysical bookstores started happening everywhere? It was was a big movement. Well, I, I feel that we're having that same kind of movement now. But it's 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 in another direction toward more extraterrestrials and celestial beings and angelic forces and star seed and it, it seems as though that um, you're right the the bandaid was ripped right off the third eye <laughs> yeah you know I just wound up meeting with um, a couple of lovely friends this past weekend who have started this very intentional green community about an hour south of Atlanta. And it's called Serenby. And I, I went down, and they're cool people. I mean, like the producer of the Vampire Diaries lives there, and this fellow I was with was a, the symphony conductor for George Lucas's film for, for 10 years, and his music is stellar, I mean, off the charts. And, and his wife is just as amazing in her own way. She oversees a whole big theatrical outfit. And so... And here they are, they're conscious, intelligent people, really striving to learn everything they can. They actually want to write a play, a musical play around my Jesus book. That's (laughs) great. I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds great. You know, it's all about getting the word out, and it's all about helping people to realize they don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, if you are Christian, you can still be Christian just is I think of it like, you know, you're in a room and suddenly the walls drop and you realize there's the whole cosmos out there. So you don't ever have to leave the room. It's just fine. Whatever your foundation is in whatever tradition, whether it's pagan or it's Buddhist or it's um, uh, scientific or it's Christian or it's Muslim or it's Jewish or it's Hindu, I mean, all paths in the end lead to the divine. But we can have and honor the inner teachings of all those paths. There's an exoteric level to most religions that unfortunately is very steeped with guilt and blame and shame and dogma and and things that actually shut down our DNA and cause our DNA not to awaken. They've discovered that fear contracts and stress contracts the DNA, giving us less access to the knowledge and wisdom and information stored within it. But love and meditation and uh, uh, expands the DNA, giving us more and more access to who we really are so we can begin to remember it for ourselves. Now, we may just remember it in little snatches here and there through a dream, through a vision, through a meditation, through a past life experience, through a reading. But, you know, if you pursue it enough... You don't just have to take someone's word for it. You yourself can experience the many levels of the divine and of heaven and of yourself and the divine inside of, you know, your kitty cat, inside of a a flower or a forest, the divine inside of everything. And this I talk about in my Sophia book. In religion, there are two basic concepts. You may have heard of transcendence and imminence. Um, have you heard of those terms before? Yes, I'd like to hear your definition. Well, you know, transcendence is kind of uh, saying God is beyond this creation. God's so big, hey, God kind of created this and kind of left us alone, and he's up there someplace up in the cloud. And if you're really, really lucky, you know, and you pray really, really hard and you're really, really good, he might hear you and he might respond if he's in the office. So, 
you know, that's it's it's. I mean, in, in the serious level, is that this there's more than just a third dimensional world. That God is so far beyond this reality that He's inconceivable, or it or she is inconceivable. And imminence is the idea that the divine is here now. The divine is in you. The divine is in me. The divine is in a flower or a leaf or, you know, in the planet, in the stars, in the cosmos that everything is living and that we are in the living body of the divine. Now, maybe it's just a corpuscle of the of the body of the divine. Maybe it's a fingernail or a big toe of the body of the divine. The divine may, in fact, be transcendent, but the divine is also here now. And because of these two concepts, which really don't contradict each other at all, the divine is transcendent, the divine is imminent, the divine is in us, the divine is everywhere, and the divine is beyond even what we see around us. Um, and once we go within us, we begin to get glimpses of that divinity. And, of course, that's what Jesus was teaching. I mean, the teachings that were taken out of the Bible included spiritual technologies to allow us to experience this directly. And that's what I teach, of course, in the mystery school and what I teach in my books because that's what uh, the masters would have us would have us know. So Jesus, for example, talks about a spiritual technology where he says, when you make the two eyes into one, when you make the inner into the outer and the outer into the inner, when you make the male into the female and the female into the male, then you shall see the kingdom of heaven. And what he's talking about is the spiritual technology between the left side of the brain and the right side. The male and female hemispheres or parts of us, our intuitive nature and our logical nature, our body and our uh, spirit, uh, the parts of us that um, uh, feel and the parts of us that think. Because when we truly awaken both sides, the parts that create and the parts that build, and we merge them together, we awaken this third eye or the tijeratil or the, you know, inner sight, however we want to call it in the different languages or uh, cultures. And when that happens, we begin to make our own divine connection. Now, of course, in the process of initiation, there is a process, and it has to do with meeting what was called in the ancient uh, tongues the dweller on the threshold or the shadow self. So it had to do with meeting the dweller on the threshold or the ego or the shadow or that which we hide from others or that we don't love about ourselves and beginning to to, um, love it into wholeness, to embrace it and use its power to um, uh, resolve uh, uh, the anti-life principle. It's like we're this combination of life and anti-life, you know, love and and hate. And part of, I think, what's happened on this planet is that as the yugas or the ages have turned, we've had ages of enormous enlightenment, and then we've had ages where we've fallen asleep at the wheel. And it's the Kali Yuga, it's the Dark Age. That's really what it is. And when they call the Middle Ages the Dark Ages, they weren't kidding because, you know, what, 3% of the population or less could read. There was such a ban on knowledge, and, and, and we have come so far. The last 500 years, 
from the Renaissance on, which was a, a change. That was, you know, we've been moving through the galactic equator. It takes about a thousand years. So we first started about 500 years ago. Look how far we've come in 500 years. So if we can weather the storm of the the pole shift, which could be, you know, good or it could be devastating, depends, you know, we can weather that. We have a chance of really, uh, especially with all the star seeds down here, of really moving this planet uh, into new systems. And that's the thing is that as children, when we're indoctrinated and grow up here, we only learn the systems that have been taught in the past. But many of the reasons that the star seeds have come down here is because they source from other civilizations who knew they know other cultures, they know other paradigms for governments or communities. And so consequently, we have to be willing to be open to thinking outside the box. To you know, We have to learn the system we're in and master that system, and then we have to go in and transform the system from within. And that's no small task. So the souls that have chosen to come down here to do that are very uh, inspired and driven and passionate. And they were chosen very, very carefully. They volunteered, but they also had to be chosen. So that's why I think your show is very, very important. Because, um, And I'd really love to know more about all of the three of you and you know, interact with you guys more. I think we should do a book. On this. Oh, goodness. <laughs> okay. I do. I mean, I do. I, so we have to talk off the show, or we can have some more conversations on the show, as we wish. But, you know, I, I think it's very important work because there are so many. Um, I see this in my readings. You know, so many people come to see me. They come from Sirius or the Pleiades, or maybe they came in from Orion or Lyra. But, you know, they were like, seven or nine planets that had volunteers, you know, in the waves of the indigo until around the 90s. And sometime in the mid to late 90s, a whole other group started coming in from other worlds besides just those nine. And so now we have some souls that may have prepped very hard to come down here, but they this may actually be their first lifetime down here. So those of us who have been crazy enough to incarnate down here a lot, you know, we have to help them. Right. And we have to, because they're powerful. They're powerful and they have enormous wisdom and potential, but, you know, they've incarnated into the existing system. And so they're having to figure out what's lies, what's truth, how to respond in the most centered and empowered way, and how to then get on with their life's work. Let me let me ask you in, in your uh, in your books. Have you written about the Cathars in France? No, I, I do know about them though. Yeah, I just wondered because um, we we went to France with uh, Kathleen McGowan. There was twenty seven of us that went, and and I I found the star markings in a chart that matches the Jesus Mary Magdalene markings in an astrological chart. And all the people that had the markings were invited to go on this trip. And the experiences that we had were just amazing because we had the bloodline, we had the soul records, and we had the people that wanted to embody that, that trip. And it was really awesome. And a lot of them had memories of being a Kassar where they were burned, you know, for their beliefs. 
I, re- I, re- I relate. I've, I've taken a group. Do you have any trips coming up to France where you're going to take people over there? You know, I would really love to do that. And, you know, we should actually talk. I, I took a group of 13 over, and we did the Magdalene tour through uh, Marie Saint-Lemaire and the Black Madonna and Le Carcassonne. And we started in Nice, actually, and made our way up through Toulouse and through um, uh, um, uh, Rennes-le-Chateau and then to uh, Chartres and Paris and uh, Montmartre. I mean, it was wonderful. So we should, again, talk about this because with the Sophia book out, I've had a lot of people ask me if I would consider doing that. And uh, I sort of alternate between being in the cave, writing these books, because as you can imagine, I, I have these huge teams of spiritual beings who are in here, and they are just downloading. Once they start, I'm pretty much working for them. And I understand, totally. I know you do. I know you do. I would, I'd love I, I had 30 years of that with them and that's why I had to put all the stuff in the bank vault but now I'm 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 able to bring a little out at a time yeah Yeah I mean really we have got to spend some time on the phone with each other catching up I I well, remember liking you so much when you were in Atlanta and you were doing very important work here and I think that what you've discovered if if this is what I remembered about what you discovered is that when people have planets in their chart that are someplace between about 23 and 29 degrees, basically conjunct or sextiled or um, uh, trine the galactic center, it creates activations. And my heart, my Venus and my Mercury are um, 25 and 27 degrees of Sag. Oh, yeah. Okay. That is galactic center. I'm a double cap, and my north node, I think, is 21 or 24 degrees of Capricorn. I remember you guys said something a little earlier. I think my Neptune's 24 degrees. My Pluto's about 24 degrees or 25. So I've got a lot of planets that are right in in that zone. And so I think this is a fascinating theory that you have, and true. <laughs> well, I, I, I have... Uh wrestled with it for many years and then finally decided just to, you know, pull the trigger on it and bring it out into the world, and that's what I've done. I think it's brilliant, and yeah. I, it it can't kind of not be so. If you think that there are energy streaming from the galactic center, if you're in line with the center or you are getting a raid off, you know, the energy is bouncing off because it's a trine or a sextile or opposition or whatever, it's bound to affect you in some powerful way absolutely absolutely i mean it makes perfect sense to me my darling <laughs> <laughs> okay listen would would you be able to um answer some uh questions from some of our listeners i'm going to turn you back over to ariel now she has the switchboard and ariel lives in in, in atlanta also so you girls are 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 doing the georgia shuffle right now well, it's amazing, you know, how many people live here. Some people think Georgia, the South, oh, it must be deliverance. And then clients come here and they're like, oh, my God, this is a beautiful, sophisticated town. And I'm like, yeah, it is, and it has a lot of great people in it. And, and, we'll, and we'll talk again um, later. Uh, I'll call you in the next couple of days and we'll, we'll get together, okay? I really look forward to it. Thank you so much. And what a joy to reconnect with you and what important work all of you are doing. So are you, and I'm so glad that I found you after all these years. So back to you, Arielle. 
Okay, Tricia. Well, we have um, we have people on the switchboard, and we actually have um, have one caller that's been waiting to talk to you since the beginning of the show. Oh my gosh! Yes. If anyone else um, has a question or a comment for Tricia, if you're already um, if you've already called in, then you'll just need to press one on your keypad so we know you want to come on the air. And if you're listening on the computer, then you'll have to dial in and call 917-889-8292 and then press 1 and uh, we'll get you in queue to uh, talk to Tricia. But um, we have a lady named Nicole who has been waiting since the beginning of the show to talk to you. So let's go ahead and bring her on right now. Let me get the mic open first. Hi, Nicole. You must be a saint. Did you hear me? I just... Nicole, are you, there? are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, cool. Hi, Nicole. Okay. You must be a saint. You're so patient. Yes. 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 <laughs> where... I love that. She claims it. Hey, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Calumet City, Illinois. Illinois. How's the weather up there? It's hot. Oh yeah, everywhere for sure. Well, how can I how can I help you? Or did you have a question? I had a question. Are you doing readings or? Yes, I do. About half my readings are on the phone, long distance, and half are in person. And I'm actually home for a couple of months re- working on a book, so this is kind of a good window to get me in. Um, the the readings are first readings are two hours. They uh, cost like $250, and I'll tell you kind of how that came about. It was uh, years ago, probably 30 years ago, peop- I, I first four years I ever did readings, I just did them for free. And then they took so much time and so many people wanted them. At that point, I charged $150 to shoot a photography headshot, and I said, well, that takes an hour. So then, of course, I, I, I would set readings with half hour in between. Everyone would take the extra half hour. So then I realized, oh, my gosh, I just have to do 90-minute readings. And I gave a half hour in between, and guess what? Everybody took two hours. So I finally figured out, took me a while, that first readings need to be two hours. And what would happen if you wanted to do it, um, you can call me on my home number um, probably tomorrow afternoon and Thursday and Friday are good days. I'm in the office. Um, and that number is 678-309-0888. You can also go to my website and take a look at the readings uh, as well as the healing work I do and the books and the DVDs and the, the Mystery School and the online classes. There are 12 online classes. And that website is my name, Tricia, T-R-I-C-I-A, McCannon, M-C. C-A-N-N-O-N, just like it sounds, Mac and Canon, uh, com or Trisha McCannon Speaks.com. They'll both take you there. Um, with the readings, let me say, when you would do them long distance, you have to send me a little package, a sheet of paper with your name and address and phone number and birth date and place, and if you've got the time, and you want to send me two or three photographs of yourself. And you can also include up to three other photographs of anybody else. Let's say you wanted me to track me to track you with your husband or your children or your grandchildren or your your uh, best friend or your business partner. As long as you have strong juice between you, the chances are very good you've probably known each other before. So you can also include up to three other people's photographs. 
I just ask for people to make them real photos, not just um, putting it on typing paper. They need, even if they're digital, they need to be on photographic paper because the, it's the silver halides and the film emulsion that holds the etheric feel that allows me to hold the photograph, find the soul's unique signature vibration, and then go up into the great Akashic records in the sky and uh, and read who the soul is. The the readings are not just like you know, you know, uh, going back two three hundred or two three four thousand years. I mean, they are going back to really who you are at the highest level of your soul. What I have found over the course of doing so many readings for so long is that all of us actually originate in the angelic kingdom, even though we have amnesia now and we have no clue who we are we really don't we've forgotten but if you pull the curtains back enough past the third dimensional lives and the fourth and the fifth eventually you come to the the genesis matrix and so there are nine orders of the angels and each of us emerge out of one of those orders and of course when i discovered this decades ago i was like well wait a minute how is that even possible i mean what the hell happened to us if we went from being so tuned in and connected to being so confused? And so then my journey began to be the journey of the soul as we came down and the mechanism of of feeling disconnected that allows us to experience free will and then discovering the gifts and abilities and the themes and the things we've each mastered and the things we're still working to master and what might actually be in the way to block us or keep us from really living our full potential. So that just gives you a little bit of an overview, but of course we deal with a lot of things from soulmates and and connections with people to career and job and purpose and health and, you know, past, present, future. So it's, it's kind of a big thing. So you're very welcome to call me. If you forgot the phone number, just go look up the website and you'll find the phone number on there. And um, if you call and get my machine, just be sure and leave your name and phone number, and I'll get back with you by the end of the week. Okay. All right. Hope that helps. Yes, it does. Thank you. Yes, thank you for your patience and holding on so very long. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks for calling, Nicole. Bye-bye. Thank you. She was sweet. Yeah, and I'm sure that that's information that everyone can benefit from. That's and, why um, I'm just saying. I I know other people would always ask, so you know, hopefully that was helpful. I'm sure it was. And uh, next we are going to talk to Julia as soon as I get um, the mic open here. Okay. The screen jumped. Hang on a second. Okay, now I got the right button. So we're going to talk to Julia. Hello, Julia. You are on the air with Trisha McCannon. Hi, Trisha. Thank you. Hi, so much. Julia. What a nice voice you have. Thank you. As you as well. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, where are you calling from? Austin, Texas. Oh, I love Austin. That's a beautiful city. It is. Thank yeah, you. I think I it's like a little saner uh, Atlanta. Atlanta is like six and a half million people, and it's beautiful, but becoming a little crazy with the highways like San Francisco, where I think of Austin as having all the best things without as much you know, population, so it's not quite as congested. It's getting there, though, let me tell you. 
lots and lots of people moving here and we're growing faster and faster. The skyline is changing. A lot of high rises going up. All the highways are expanding. You know, I spoke there many years ago at the Whole Life Expo, and I remember I must have had a thousand people in the room. I had about two feet to stand in. It was literally people, you know, along the walls, on the floors, and the chairs. <laughs> be a wonderful metaphysical community there, and I would love to come to Austin and speak sometime. You know, oh. I don't. It's 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 a great city. It is. I would come see you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, how can I help you? Did you have some questions? I did. So, well, um, I'm uh, on a similar path. Um, you know, I heard you say that, you know, trained in, in many modalities. I'm also a healer, very intuitive, um, working on my hypnotherapy certification. And uh, right now I, I'm a spiritual, intuitive, and transpersonal practitioner. So focusing on energy and energy healing um, and combining Eastern and Western psychology. So, pretty unique experience but i was wondering um you sound awesome <laughs> it is it is i love like it like friend yeah. material yeah. <laughs> you do <laughs> another amazing woman so okay so go on yeah. well i was wondering if there was there were any um i mean i don't know if it's past life or current life or any kind of just blocks um emotional blocks uh, something um, that maybe I'm I'm missing, or that it's in my shadow that I need to work on. You know, I I would be happy to look for you. I um, you know, I that's the kind of thing that I can I can find. But you know, when you like call me up and ask me like as a psychic or a clairvoyant, I don't normally do programs um, that way where I'm just instantly, you know, reading for people that I have no, um, I'm just listening to their voice. Although sometimes I will get information. So, uh, that's, uh, an interesting set of questions. Uh, <laughs> it feels to me like there's something spiritual. It's not physical. It's not really emotional. I'm sure there's an emotional component, but it feels like it's spiritual. And if it's spiritual, it's either going to be a belief yeah, you see, you've got some around, I'd say, beliefs. And what I mean by beliefs, it's not like uh, I believe in higher education or I believe in Jesus or not Jesus, not like that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about core beliefs about um, safety, life, love. It feels like it has to do with safety. Um, I'm sure you've done some work on yourself because mm-hmm. you are if you had not done quite a bit of work. But, you know, some of the most brilliant light workers kept coming in again and again through those dark ages, and they kind of went down again and again, you know, mm-hmm. tough lifetimes. And so there are certain um, um, belief systems and traumas that dwell within the subconscious when we come out to really step into our power and do this work in the world. And it, it's completely understandable that it would happen, but uh, it just feels that there's a spiritual piece. It's not that it's, that it's missing. I'd say that it's in there are pieces. I'd say five, six, seven. I think about five to seven pieces that of things you still kind of need to do some uh, become aware of or um, 
have revealed to you about yourself or clear up from past traumas, maybe where you took a lot of hit points and made some decisions that are um, affecting you. But it it's kind of like for all your clarity and gifts and the goodness that you're doing, there get to be these boulders in the path, and we can't see around to the other side of the path till we kind of blow up the boulder. Does, this mm-hmm. make sense? Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I think that this thing that you know is on the other side of the boulder, you know it, you feel it, but you can't figure out how to get to it, uh, despite the fact that you're so far along and so accomplished and probably helping many, many people all the time. But still, sometimes we ourselves, even the healers, have to stop and blow up the boulders. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the kind of thing I do. I have, like I just had someone come from San Francisco that left last week. Two weeks ago I had someone that come, came from Sedona. And net, a week from Sunday I have someone coming in for a week from Ireland. And so I have people come in for about four or five days or sometimes a little longer, depends on what's going on with them. And I I, I blow up the boulders, basically. Oh. You know, I shift all that energy and clear it out. We figure out what the soul pattern is and what's happened and and who they really are and what they're really, you know, what's in the way of their power. Um, and, you know, we pull off layers, basically. So, you know, you're very welcome to call me when we're off the air and, you know, we can have a longer conversation about it or, or if you ever want to schedule a reading or, you know, I'd, I'd love to know more about your work too because you sound wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I um, I agree with you and I I am so grateful um, to be t- speaking with you about it and, and very happy that you're also another light worker. So that's always good good to hear. And I do, I feel those boulders and I think that what happens for me is probably I need to be more patient with my impatience um, because I'm ready to blow them up and progress. Uh, and I want to just keep, you know, raising my vibration and moving to higher levels. Yet I, I do realize that there's there's still work for me to do. And there's a reason why I'm where I'm at right now. Well, let me say you've been a healer and I'd say maybe 30% of your lives, about a third of your life. So, you know, there's a big part of you that's very, very aligned and very resonated with this work. But um, And you're meant to actually go on to teach. Uh, mm-hmm. You are, but you can't get there yet, you know. How yeah. old are you, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, not at all. I'm 38. Okay, well, that would explain it. Okay, so 37 to 43 is that Uranus opposition. It's called the Great Awakening, and for some it's a midlife crisis, but for people like us, it's awakening to a whole other level of who we are. And usually it happens through some level of fruit basket turnover. In other words, the carpet gets pulled out from under our our feet. Uh, This is like the classic thing where, you know, someone has been a housewife for all these years, jumps up and says, I'm going back to school and getting my Ph.D., and everyone's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Or where the man's running off with the secretary. And it's not about the secretary. It's about the fact that he may have been in a marriage where, you know, it was a dead-end marriage or they were both asleep at the wheel and he had to do something to wake himself up. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, he blew up everything around him to do it. But, um, you know, 
it's it's a it's called the Great Awakening, and you hit it kind of dead on. I think around forty um, to forty two. Oh. So um, it's a perfect time. There's there's I'm sure probably um, uh, lavenders talk about some of these classic times, but you know the the Saturn return twenty eight to thirty, and then fifty. Seven to sixty is all about resetting your structure. The Uranus opposition is one of the biggest events. It's that huge, huge awakening. If you're already awake, imagine, imagine what the next step's going to be. My God, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's astonishing. Yeah. And then the the Chiron return from forty-seven to fifty-three, which is about facing any shadows you didn't get in the Uranus opposition and and healing the past and deactivating your buttons and awakening to your healing gifts. So, you know, you're pretty far along for 38 years old, so congratulations. Well, thank you very much. That 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 makes sense. Um, yeah, it's it's been well, I'd say I've I've started to dig in a lot deeper um at 20 2010, 2010. About 5 years I've been doing some pretty pretty deep work um on myself. But that's always the best, and I think that for any good healer, you know, even beings that are very, very, very high consciousness that incarnate down here, they have to incarnate to some degree into dysfunctional patterns in order to learn yes. them from the inside out. And then mm-hmm. as they get wounded, they commit to healing them, and as they heal them, they gain the tools to be able to turn around and help others heal them. And that is the perfect sort of karma or wounding pattern meets the dharma or the life's purpose or mission. That's the perfect yeah. arc in any in any life. And so, um, you know, you're very welcome to call me off the show. And, you know, uh, Thursday and Friday are good days. I'm, I'm in the office most of the day. So we can continue this then if you want to. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it I really appreciate it. was a pleasure speaking with you. Is it Judy? Julia. Julia, Julia, yeah, it's a pleasure and, and good evening. Pulling in some family names, though. Um, <laughs> what? I said you're pulling in some family names. My mom's sister's Judy. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. You know how it works when you actually start tuning into somebody, you start seeing yeah. all this stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, oh boy. Thank you, Trisha, and um, uh, God bless. Lots of love. And, you, um, thank I, you so much I'll for be- calling. It was a pleasure. And be yeah. sure when you call to leave your phone number so I can call you back. Absolutely. Okay, take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Julia. Bye-bye. Thank you. I said that again, Trisha. <clears throat> yes. Did you hear that? Right. Did I hear what? I said she was a sweetie. What a oh, lovely, yes. lovely, yeah, absolutely beautiful absolutely. spirit. Um, I had a I had a question uh, that that someone asked me today, and I'm not sure that I that I answered it as completely as it as it could have been. And so I'm going to ask you a question, and either you or Lavendar, um, just tell me what you know about the number 33 and the harmonic that. Um, it is. It represents. Um, what is the the significance of thirty three? Um, do you want to take that, or you want me to say something first, or you have a preference? You go ahead. 
Tricia? Well, you know, in the mystery schools, there were 33 steps of initiation. 33 was the last one. And, of course, in the human vertebrae, there are 32 bones from the bottom where the coccyx is all the way up to the top. And the 33rd is the atlas, which is what the brain sits on. So these were corresponding to levels of initiation that was symbolic of pulling the kundalini up the spine and eventually, you know, activating the kundalini, which then awakens the third eye. So 33 has always been a master number, 11, 22, 33, and um, that's kind of what I know about it. What do you know? Um, well, that's pretty much what I know about it, too. Um, and I, I, I know that there's a harmonic um, connected to that. Lavendar, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, um Harmonic 33, Bruce Cassidy wrote uh, about it in his book, and it has to do with the crystal grid inside the planet. And it also has to do with the navigational skills of the, of the different spaceships that come into our planet. They use Harmonic 33 as part of their guidance system when they come in. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Well, you yeah. know, three is creativity and six is harmony. It's a star of David, you know, the perfect balance of male and female. But I have not heard this whole thing about the spaceship, so do go on if you know more. That's pretty exciting. Oh, I, I think that I have something that I'll pull out of the vault in a few, it, maybe in the next few months to talk to the audience about, about how the ships use the uh, Harmonic 33 to come in and how they leave. And, and we have a science, a science friend over in England who's been able to, for, for 25 years, being able to track when the, when the mothership comes in, lets a scout ship out, and then come back and pick it up, and it's on this 33 harmonic grid that he's been tracking this all these years. So, and when I went to see him, and we uh, were, were talking about the charts and, and seeing all the different information, what I found was that the Pleiadian alignments in May and November, from the 15th to the 20th, they were matching his charts of 25 years of discovery of how this was working. So my 25, 26, and 27 degrees were showing up in his information, which only made me feel really good. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think think it just might be time for you to write a book, girl. Well, I, I have written quite a bit already. I'm just waiting for the right time to release it to the world. Yeah, it's getting close. Do we have any other callers? Um, Well, not at the moment, so let me remind our audience one more time. If you have a question for Tricia and you're already um, on the switchboard, if you've already called in, then all you need to do is press 1. And if you're listening on the computer, then you'll have to call 917-889-8292 and then press 1 so we know that you want to come on the air. And uh, we'll we'll give a, a couple of minutes to um, anyone who wants to ask a question. But as of right now, we don't we don't have anybody waiting. Well, let me just I, that say, was, that I think this, that all of us have a lot to talk about. So we can just, for heaven's sakes, have a wonderful time just talking because it sounds like both of you are very knowledgeable. Well, I think we're all tapped into the same thing. That's why there's so much alignment and and congruence 
between what you've learned, what Lavender's learned, what I've learned, um, and it it just all falls together perfectly, which is further confirmation that there is a um, a high source of truth. And when you tap into it, you get the same you get the same information. It's not different depending on who's calling. So um, yeah, we do have a lot of a lot of common ground, and. Um, what, do you mind giving me, just tell me a little bit about you, a little bit about your background? Or, I mean, we don't have to, but you sound lovely, and I just have been totally loving talking with uh, uh, Lavendar. Is it Lavendar instead of Lavender? Yep. Lavendar. Um, um, well, as most people know, um, I was um, had been a professional musician for my whole life, and uh, then I started more on the on the producing and uh so music was was all I ever knew until I met Lavendar and then it blossomed into the the galactic starseed information and uh, we we started the website uh 2009 the radio show in 2010 and we do um astrological readings and Oh, that would be so. So you're both astrologers, right? Well, I mean, Lavendar is the master and always will be. <laughs> I mean, even after 20 years, she still comes out with stuff, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I remember uh, she was in Atlanta. That she was wonderful. I'm an astrologer too, but I've always thought of her as really brilliant in this field. And you know, that's the thing about astrology: you can uh, study it your whole life. Because there's so many levels to it, so uh, yes. So now you're you're also an astrologer. You're one of her students. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'll always be her student. But um, she taught me um, the galactic astrology and the star codes, and we we tell star seeds about their natural state and their rites of passage based on their star markings, and it, it gives confirmation. And for the most part, if you think you're a star seed, you probably are. But then you always have that self-doubt that, well, maybe I just want to believe that. And then when you have your chart done, and it's right there in the numbers, and it's, it's a science as well as an art in the interpretation. But um, people are, are always amazed um, I mean, I had a, a guy just yesterday who said, "You know, it was wonderful. I really resonated with the with the star markings that you were explaining and describing, but it was kind of eerie at the same time having a total stranger that has never seen or talked to me know me better than my closest friends." And it's like, "Well, that's just a testament to the fact that you are living from your natural state. You know, um, you well, already me, feel things, so I, it is I a." It'd be fun to have a reading from you guys. I'd love to hear what Beverly has to say, and I'd be happy to read her chart. You know, that would be really fun. So your system has to do, um, uh, Lavendar, with um, looking at planets that are kind of in that 24 to 29 degree orb. Is that right? It's tw- it's 25, 26, and 27. It's three It's three degrees. Like 25 is entering, 26 is the apex, and it's leaving with 27. That's how I use it. That's so interesting. I think my um, 
my uh, what is it my um is it 26 point something uh degrees so it's over you know the zero and the mercury's at 24 point over so it's 25 degrees so very interesting um and if in your own chart what planets do you have that are in that window um what, Sorry, I'm distracted chart. by a cat screaming. Just say that again. Where <laughs> <laughs> that came from? Um, in your own chart, what planets do you have that are in that window? I don't have any planets. I have all house cusps that are 26 and 27 degrees. I have 12 of them. Oh my goodness, that's pretty. But amazing. I don't have any planets. Just just a house cusp. I would love have 12. I'd love your planets to are at other markings, though. I mean, you've got mastership all over your planets. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> but um, Tricia, when you, I think you said your Venus and Mercury were at galactic degree, like twenty-five, twenty-six Sagittarius. Yeah, um, I, um, I'm happy to give you my information. You can just run it really quick, and you'll see there's a lot of planets that are kind of in that window. But those two are right in the Sagittarian pocket. All right. Well, I mean, if you email me that, that's that's personal stuff, so I'll you don't want happy. that on here. No, but yeah, I was when I when you were saying that, it's like, okay, my Mars is at twenty five Sagittarius, so um, that's wonderful. That's, that's that's just how kind of it's like. Well, we like her instantly, <laughs> and, and that's what about you. It's yeah. And that, if we were boy and girl, we could date. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. We have. Uh, um, is from Lavendar's um, discoveries and teaching that she's received from, you know, the highest of the high, um, that galactic degree in Sagittarius is galactic center and um, being such that connects you to a lot of different ET races. It It is the residence of truth at the highest level. So there is a uh, when you've got galactic center in your chart, there's a there's a philosopher, there is um, a truth seeker, there is a a truth detector. So that even if you hear something that you've never heard before, if it's true, it just rings your bell. Even if you don't have the proof, and it's like, well, okay, why is this true? It's like you don't need to have that. You just know. And I that's, love that. That's that's um, a little bit of my my explanation on on galactic center plus the fact that it is a common point used by all of the ET races to coordinate their their joint projects and things so it's it's really kind of a a headquarters wouldn't you say lavendar yes it's it's interweaved with the with the different species like when different ships come into our uh, locale here it's like they punch a 26 sag it's it's like a universal code where everybody then can communicate through 26 SAG. There is a number on the ships that actually identifies this 26 SAG. Oh my gosh! Well, that is so interesting because you know I I my heart is 26 SAG. It's in the 12th house. My Mercury and Venus and Sun are all in the 12th. So well, then. it's like. Yeah, you know, the cave of the mysteries, the mind yes, of God. Well, that means that you're um, you're gathering your information, and, and then by your progressions, then you come out in the world with your truth. It's yep. hidden for a period of time. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, and the twelve. The sun is four degrees cap, and the rising is five degrees cap. So you know, I'm I'm. <laughs> The sun was just tipping the horizon, so I can go into the cave really well, and then I can kind of come out and bring, you know, that uh, wisdom through. So, you know, I ancient wisdom that's that is part of the twelfth house. Yeah, and it. it do you one, know? Do you have um, twenty, twenty-five, twenty-six, or twenty-seven in in Pisces or Virgo? Um, I'm a. I think a 17-degree Virgo moon, um, but I, I think my Pluto, my Neptune, and um, um, my Chiron and my North Node and maybe one other planet are all right in that 24, 25, 26, 27-degree pocket, too. It's not Sag. There are other, you know, signs. Right. Well, I, I was asking because that's, that would be that connection with with Jesus and Mary Magdalene, but even if it's if it's like twenty four forty five, that's still activating that galactic degree. So, if it's like twenty four and and more than thirty, then that still counts, doesn't it, Lavendar? <laughs> it better because that's the way I've been operating. Yes, that's that's true. Yeah, twenty four forty five. That's that's twenty five. It yeah, activates. You know, it's interesting. I, I read this wonderful book that I uh, about the appearances of uh, the Divine Mother and Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and and of course not just Mary Magdalene, Mary the Mother Isis, all of the ladies of uh, immaculate wisdom and grace. And they talked about how again and again the appearances, um, the charts of the appearances, the predominant. Constellations were Pisces, Virgo, uh, Divine Virgin Mother, and Christed Son, and Cancer Capricorn, Divine Father, Divine Mother. So, extremely interesting. Mm. Yeah, did you, you send me your your birth information with the exact minute of birth? And uh, uh, yeah, we'd, we'll have to we'll have to uh, get together at some point. Yeah, so, is this Lavendar we're talking to? No, this is Ariel. Um, oh, oh, yes. I'll send, I don't have your information, but send me an email, and I will. Okay, yeah, it's 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 Ariel at Starseed Hotline, and I'm just um, looking through the, the switchboard here. I don't think we have any other people that have um, come on with a question for you. So, No problem um, at all. Oh, there, is there anything that you would like to add um, to help kind of wrap up? Well, what I would say is that we are living in interesting times. <laughs> you know, as that old Chinese proverb says, may you live in interesting times. And so I think I'd rather be living in these times than a, a time when we're kind of more asleep at the wheel. And I think it's very exciting, everything that's going on, uh, that the return of the ancient mysteries in a pure form is connected not only with the ancient past, with the teachings of Jesus and Mary, with the teachings of Isis and Horus, with the teachings of all the great avatars of wisdom and all these different uh, uh, traditions and cultures, but with uh, where we are now with the future. And this is really why I know you guys are doing this show. It's why I 
write my books is because we're in the process of um, reshaping the future and reshaping the world. And definitely, you know, we're we're letting it unfold, but we also have to be aware to be as present and on point as possible because the clock is ticking. <laughs> you know, uh, we are going to have a pulse shift, uh, whether it's in a year or 10 years or 20 years, you know, or six months. We don't really know. But um, there's the physical pulse shift, and we certainly had them before many, many times, I think 17 or 19 times, so certainly we can survive. But it's what we do in the meantime and uh, how we begin to change the paradigms because the future really is not written. Um, I, I've been very much involved with a community called Dominher Italy for, gosh, almost 20 years, and I take groups over to Dominher to Italy. In fact, I'll be going for a week in November. And these people have been very much involved in helping uh, us, they are definitely starseeds, to change the the destiny and the future of our planet. And, um, you know, that original timeline that Nostradamus saw, uh, which was 1986 until 2012, where we went into World War III, that whole timeline got changed. It all got erased. So now we're we're on a clean page. And what we do matters, what we think matters, what we share matters, and how we go forward in fulfilling our mission matters. So uh, I really salute all of you that are listening. I salute you incredible wise women who are having the show. Anybody who wants to get in touch with me can go to my website again at www.trishamccannonspeaks.com or trishamccannon.com. And, um, you know, my phone numbers and ways to contact me, my email is on there. So feel free to do so. And you can take a look at my books and DVDs. And then the 12 Mystery School, the online mystery school program that I've spent the last 10 years developing. So thank you guys so very much for having me on your show. Well, it has just been a pleasure, absolute pleasure to have you with us. And, um, Lavendar, I'm about to wrap up. Do you have any um Last comment. Only that that it's so time for all of us star seeds to stand up and be counted and go forward with whatever missions that we uh, said that we wanted to do when we came here. So it's just time to buckle up, Buttercup. I love that. <laughs> buckle up, Buttercup. And uh, yes, and I hope both of you will please email me, send me your phone numbers, and let's have a little time to chat. Um, and stay friends, you know, aside from this wonderful, wonderful show you're doing. We'll do yes, that. we will. I'll call you in the next few days. Okay. Thank you both so much, and God bless, and God is blessed to everyone listening. Well, thank you so much, everyone. We've been talking to Tricia McCannon, and make sure you visit her website at T-R-I-C-I-A McCannon, M-C-C-A-N-N-O-N.com. And from all of us here at Starseed Hot. No, this is not Starseed Hotline. This is Starseed Radio Academy. Our website is starseedhotline.com. We thank you for listening, and we will be back with you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.